Well, you have nothing else to do. So why don't you sit here and listen to the somewhat official podcast of the Memphis Express with Daniel and Michelle. The unofficial podcast of the Memphis Express, bringing you news, stories, videos, and so much more. This is Expressing Goal. What up, Flight Crew? This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard Fly 34. Yeah, we'll go 34. Is that the one? Yes. All right. My name is Michelle, and as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Daniel. You have heard his dulcet tones already. What's going on, Dan? Not much. I think my voice is still recovering from this past game, and I am all about that. Yeah, so you sound a little low energy. You want to do something about it? What am I going to do about it? Bring the hype. Hype. All right. Anyway, let's get on to the show. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Before we get on to the show, how was your breakfast this morning? Don't don't, don't start. This. We're not we're not <laughs> all about this fake banter crap. But that segue, that little witty banter that she was going for, was going to segue us into uh, something that we need to defend. Yeah. So you may have seen, if you've been plugged into the world of Twitter today, we are recording this on Wednesday, March 27th. Yes. All right. So today on Twitter, it kind of erupted that there was a St. Louis style food of bread style. What is it called? The bread cut for yeah, bagels. Bread cut style bagels. And if you're not familiar, not, see, I had no idea. I thought this was just a thing. But there is a special way you can go to St. Louis Bread Company or Panera, as you Philistines call it. And so the normal way is you cut a bagel in half. The better way is that you cut it into slices going like, the, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a slice of bread. Yeah. So imagine that the bagel is a loaf of bread and you just cut it into slices. Instead of cutting it in half. Way more efficient when you're trying to eat it with cream cheese. Or you're trying to eat it in the car on the go. Or you're at your desk working and you don't have time to you know, spread cheese on an entire bagel. Or if you want to be a really kind person and buy bagels for the whole office, but they don't know what kind of bagel they want. So you get bread slice. So that way everyone can get a bagel sized bagel that has different varieties of flavors. And guess what? I have a big bushy beard. When I eat like a bagel the peasant way, <laughs> that cream cheese gets into my beard. The bread cut saves the day. And you know what else? When you take a big honkin' bite into a big honkin' bagel, you get all the bread and all the cream cheese in your teeth. And if you don't want that kind of life, just being able to dip your bread, your slice of bagel into cream cheese prevents it from getting all gunky in your teeth. You're welcome, world. Yeah. Sincerely, St. Louis and St. Louisians. Suck on that. And that is our episode because nothing more <laughs> needs to be said. <laughs> No, no, no. We got to get into the AAF. We got to talk about this awesome week that we had. What a week in the Alliance. Oh, man. This was the like if this was your first time ever watching an Alliance game or like watching them throughout the weekend. You're welcome. This was the one that I mean, anyone that that. Well, I mean, thank you, Manzel. I'm sure we had some first time watchers and stuff. Yeah. And and really, I mean, the teams just put on a show. Absolutely. All right. How are we starting off this week? But. Babe, I I called you babe. Well, I was gonna go for babe, but then I was like, wait, 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 I'm on the podcast. I don't I don't call you babe on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, apparently people aren't sure if we're married or not. So really? Yeah. <laughs> some people are like, are you guys married? I get like questions all the time. Like, are you guys married? Are you a couple? Yes. Yes, we are. But babe is weird. Like, yeah. I mean, not in real life, but in this it is. Let's just move on. This has gone on way too long. <laughs> okay. What are we talking about first, Dan? So let's get into the news of the alliance. I feel like there's a lot. There's some something has happened, and I know a teeny tiny bit, but not a lot. And like with all things with the Alliance, there's few news items, but they are monstrously big. So this has to do with Tom Dundon, right? Yeah. 
who owns the Hurricanes. Yes, the Carolina Hurricanes. Which is a hockey team. Let me set the stage. The NFLPA, do you know what that is? Players Association. Do you know what they do? They, it's kind of like a player, it's like a union. Exactly. It's okay. exactly what it is. It's a union that represents the players in the NFL. They work on behalf of the players to negotiate with the league and make sure that the players are protected and that the players get as much as they can. I talked about this a couple times in the show already about how the AAF is needed because with the CBA, which is a collective bargaining agreement between the league and the players association, there's limitations on how much you know NFL players can practice, how much interaction there can be, which just increases the need for the alliance. So that agreement is coming up. It goes through the 2020 season, and then that's it. Okay. And they've the, already the end of the CBA. Correct. Okay. Which means that they either need to extend the current CBA, which they've already said they're not going to do, or they have to go and renegotiate. Perfect timing for the alliance because they can work out the CBA to make sure that players can play in the alliance and the NFL. Because right now, if you're signed to an NFL team, you can't play in the alliance. Right. So this would be perfect for those bubble guys or guys on the practice squad, right? That are like technically signed to the team. Therefore, under this current CBA, they cannot play for the AAF. But if they were allowed to, they would give them the time to develop. They would get tape. They would be able to practice. It would really be beneficial for them. Yeah. It's the guys that are so deep on the depth chart or on the practice squad that they're not getting reps and they can't really improve their game. It gives them a chance, like you said, to do that. Right. And this is better for the AAF than the XFL because the XFL doesn't want anything to do with the NFL. Correct. They wouldn't be competition. So this is perfect timing for the AAF to come in, make an agreement, make something happen. And it would also benefit the AAF because they would get, obviously, NFL-level quarterbacks in the AAF. Yep. So apparently the NFLPA and the Alliance were in communication, trying to work out a deal. And it was going well, but then they kind of hit this hurdle about protecting the players. Which is very important. Absolutely. If the NFL is going to kind of loan out their players to the AAF, they want to make sure they get their players back. And the Players Association wants to make sure they don't miss out on NFL opportunities because of injuries that they got during their time with the AAF. If they play in the AAF, they're going to be playing a lot because they have the 10 weeks of the AAF unless they go to the championship and then a 16-week NFL season that takes a toll on a person's body. And so they need to make sure that the players are protected because if they get injured in the alliance, they could miss out on money made from the NFL or it could affect their contract because I know you sound like a five-year contract, how much you play and like certain things factor in whether or not it counts towards your agreement. For example, the Bengals got into some trouble because they put their quarterback on IR in order to extend his contract because that year didn't count because he was signed at a certain time. Anyway, so that all has to be figured out. Side note here. Dan and I, as we were recording this, are staring into each other's eyes lovingly. So, yes, we are married. We do love each other. There's your note. Wow. Direct eye contact. You don't do that with people you don't love. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so they hit this hurdle, and apparently Tom Dunnan got frustrated and decided to release a quote to the USA Today. Okay. In which he said, if the players union is not going to give us young players, we can't be a development league. We are looking at our options, one of which is discontinuing the league. So what is your reaction, Michelle? Well, one, he's wrong. And two, it makes me mad. Okay. He's wrong because we currently have young players and it is succeeding 
in year one, season one, we're doing we're doing well. And we currently have zero practice squad players. Nobody in the alliance is signed to an NFL team. So there's no reason to say that we would fold. Absolutely. So for one, he's wrong. For two, it discounts the work of every single person who has put any time in any effort into this league. Um, presidents, people on sales staff, groundskeepers. I mean, this is just saying that if we don't get NFL players to play in the AAF, everything that they're doing is pointless because it's just going to fold. So to kind of break it down, the spirit of the comment, I feel, is the aspiration of the Alliance is to be a development league for the NFL. Which is true. Yeah. And according to Dundon, it can't fulfill that purpose if it's not developing players that are in the NFL. Okay. What are your thoughts? Um, I understand. So like the entire Alliance was built on the idea that it would become like a minor league or developmental league. To the NFL. Yep. Which by nature would mean there had to be some sort of agreement with the NFL to make all that work. Absolutely. But you don't need practice squad players and like the bubble guys and the alliance to make the alliance work. Right. Like you said, we did it. Yeah. We've got almost an entire year doing that. Uh, Successfully. Yeah. Exceeding expectations. Absolutely. So if you can't work it out with the NFLPA... It's not catastrophic. Well, and why would you go blast that anyway? Don't, are you trying to blow things up? I Okay, so somebody inside the alliance was quoted saying that Tom Dundon is the worst negotiator ever. Great. Yeah. And it, it seems like this weird power move in order to kind of push the narrative and just kind of like get the NFLPA to like do what he wants. We already have one Trump. We don't need another. Get out of here with that <laughs> crap negotiating. Yeah, and it's just, one, the alliance has no leverage over the NFLPA. They have all the power. And it, it, he comes off like a petulant child. Absolutely. The The image it kind of portrays to me is like the kid who is playing baseball with his friends. He gets out and gets mad and decides that he's done. He's going to take his bat and his ball and he's going home unless he's not out. The only difference is It's not his bat or his ball, and he just has to go home and pout because he has no power. The NFLPA owns the bat and the ball and the grass you're playing on and everything. (laughs) I mean, not literally, but like in other ways, this is damaging because if you don't have your ear to the ground, if you're not watching the AAF, if you don't know what's going on, what you're hearing is that from weeks ago, the league is folding and they needed to be bailed out. And now they're going to fail if the NFL doesn't play. Yeah. If they don't, if they can't come to an agreement, this league is going to absolutely fail, which just is not true. I mean, it means we have to hustle harder. It does make things harder. Sure. But it's it's not, I, I just don't think it's going anywhere. But I mean, I guess I'm not an insider, but it doesn't sound like he is either. Yeah. And it, it comes down to, it seems like he is kind of getting out of his lane in a way that he's overstepping what he should be doing because he doesn't have connections to the NFL. And, like, everyone else in the alliance does. Can you imagine being Bill Polian and waking up to this tweet, like, this quote being all over Twitter? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? All the work I've put in, and then my biggest investor wants to go and talk dumb trash out of his elite. And this isn't just, like, somebody in the alliance saying something. This is somebody who has all the power. He controls the alliance. Like, he is the majority 
share owner. And again, if you don't know what's going on with the league, you're going to think that someone with that much ownership of the league, that much investment is going to know everything. But it just doesn't seem like that's true. Yeah. So so to put a neat bow on it, nothing is really happening. It's just more smoke and nothingness and just wait and see. We'll see what happens with the NFLPA and just how these negotiations are going. In the meantime, we've got some football to be watching, and it is good. Well, then let's get to the recaps. Well, hold your horses there. We got some more news to cover. All right. What you got? And that actually, hold your horses. Apparently, a thing with the Stallions is they're like calling them neighbors, but like neighbors. You can do better. <laughs> be better. Be better, Stallions. Okay. News. With Tom Dundon talking about how the league is about to fold if they don't get their way, Charlie Ebersol is over here talking about expansion. Is this the Eminem stuff? Okay, yes. <laughs> and they're talking about Detroit, and Charlie feels that Detroit could be a good expansion city. We got to set this up. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're also not on Twitter in the AAF Twitter sphere, Eminem, Marshall Mathers, hip hop legend, came out and said that he was watching the Express and Iron Game. Uh, what? And the, he suggested that the league should allow players to fight just like in hockey. Okay. While that would be exciting <laughs> to watch, football is one of the worst sports for safety, like player safety. So that's just, that, that it's not happening, but yeah. it would be fun. It's one thing to get into a fight on ice when you're slipping and sliding, but. And you have gloves that are like, they're like Hulk hands, right? Well, the gloves come off during a fight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're fighting with pillows. It's not real. <laughs> That's not going to happen, but Eminem said that he would watch every game, even though Detroit doesn't have a city. Hint. And Ebersol responded and said, "That'd be that's a great idea. If you want to get involved, let me know. So he's out here like recruiting investors, talking about expansion. So maybe Detroit could get a city. Well, we've already talked about expansion before. While it's mm -hmm. not something we should be really thinking and talking about right now, it's something that is promising and exciting to think about for the future. Like, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in it, and it's not going to be a determining factor of whether or not the league succeeds, but it's kind of fun to think about. Yeah, and I put out on Instagram like questions if you that you want us to talk about on the show, and MS Pro Sports responded and asked, do you think that the AAF will expand quickly or maybe one team every few seasons? That's an interesting question, but it seems like they would have to at least add two, right? I would think so. Adding one would serve a purpose because it'd make an odd number of teams and like you'd have bye weeks. Oh, okay. 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 I see. But in a 10 week season, you don't really need a bye week. Yeah. So I don't see that. So I would say like you'd have to add like two at a time. Yeah. At least one e each conference, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be like five and five. Yeah. And if you think back to the lawsuit going on, if any of that is super believed. Wait, what lawsuit? Where the dude is suing the alliance because it was his idea to start sure. a spring football league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If any of that is to be believed, then the alliance is planning on expanding two teams every year until dun, they get to 12, I think. Dun, 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 dun. What I just said. Exactly. So Until they get to how many? I think 12. I just wanted to say I was right, but I wasn't listening. You said 12? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we're at? Eight. Okay. So two this year, two next year. I think that would be a viable... If Charlie's already talking about expansion, I think that is a very real possibility. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't just put it out there without it. I mean, obviously, again, don't say that this is happening or not happening or how this affects the league. But if he's put it out there, then mm -hmm. 
It's something that to definitely be excited about. Absolutely. About Detroit as and you say Detroit, don't you? Yeah, I I I pronounce words weirdly. <laughs> so back to Detroit being a possible expansion. I don't know how that would do because it's in an NFL city. And as we can see, the legends and the hotshots aren't doing so well attendance wise and support wise. Right. Yep. And see the thing is, I don't know De- Detroit. Detroit, yeah. <laughs> I don't know Detroit well enough to know what like the fan support would be. Uh-huh. I know like the Lions are beloved. And I feel like they support their pro teams, but I'm not sure. So I can't really say if Atlanta and Arizona are the examples, like I don't see it as a good idea. Can we just watch the NFL first? Let's put our expansion cities in non-NFL cities. See how the XFL does in year one with support and attendance in these ginormous stadiums. And then we can think about expansion to our, you know, from 10 to 12. And if you're going to be in Detroit, you'd have to have an indoor stadium. You have to have a dome of some sort. (laughs) Yeah. Because with Salt Lake getting the weather it is, and even Memphis having less than ideal weather for a startup league, like the kind of weather that you're going to get in Detroit isn't going to be conducive for football. In February and March. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. The last bit of news that we have for this episode. So much news. TNT is picking up another game. Does that mean Bleacher Report won't have it? Yeah. Yeah. TNT, you had a real MVP this week. Another round of applause for TNT. Um, Bleacher Report sucks. So thank you, TNT, for picking up that game. I think this just proves that TNT is listening to our podcast because we put the call out last week to get rid of all Bleacher Report games. So TNT heard that. Stepped up, took over, and here we are. Uh, TNT, if you're listening, we would love to be your official AAF podcast. If you want to sponsor us, just email me at daniel at memphisaaf.com and we'll let's talk about it. We got a phone number too. Uh, find us on Twitter. <laughs> find us on Instagram. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you know how to find us. Just just call. have your people call my people. We'll get this settled. We out here. Or it just means that TNT is seeing the success of the Alliance and they want to get in on it. That's probably it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but thank you, TNT. <laughs> All right, so now a little bit of updates. Updates? Yeah, less news-related stuff, more... Um, rapid fire? Sure, why not? All right, hit us with the rapid fire. So we had a surprise for last week's game. We had a surprise for last... Oh, we did have a surprise for last week's game, yep. This thing that we've been teasing and taunting for weeks, weeks? At least one. Yep. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw pictures of it, and you saw that... It did not come to fruition. We were walking up to the gate to get in and security came up and said, nope, I don't care what it is. You're not bringing it in here. So this is kind of how my mind is like reading the situation because she came up and the first thing she asked is, where did we get that? And I said, we got it from a friend. And then she said, I asked because that looks a lot like the ones we have around here. And I said, no, 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 this is custom made. And if you look at it, it is clearly custom made. It has our logo on it are saying it's all us. And then she said, it's too big and it's going to block people's views. And then we said, we're not going to be holding it up because we're going to be able to hang it over the edge. And then she said, no, it's too big. In my mind, she came over knowing that she's not going to let this happen. And every excuse she had got shot down, but she was just not hearing it. Me? Her, the security guard. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, she was determined just to not let it in. Yeah, yeah. 
So I feel like she was on a power trip of sorts. Oh, I definitely thought she, I, I, I don't want to be rude. Security's just trying to do their job. But it was like, come on, man. It's just a freaking banner. And are we really going to act like there's that many people in the hub that are going to be blocked by a banner, even if we did hold it up, which we weren't. But there's really not that many people that are going to be blocked by our sign. Yep. So I had to walk it back to my car and put it in there and then go to the game without it. Very disappointed. Walk of shame. Mm, the worst. We're going to see what we can do for this week's home game. Can't make any promises. We might just hang it up at our office because we can. Yeah, because it, it looks that good. If you <laughs> haven't seen it, get on Twitter, Memphis AAF, and take a look because it is beautiful. At Rob Rob Graphics designed it. And Paul Cart of EBE Apparel out of Nashville is the one that actually printed it. And both of them did an amazing job. Thank you so much for your work, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause. We're just handing those out left and right. <laughs> It's cheaper than a crisp five. Hey, we're on a budget over here. <laughs> Next rapid fire that wasn't so rapid fire. So we have a couple roster updates. Someone was brought back to the team. Two people. Okay. Drew Morgan was on the team during training camp, but didn't make the 52-man roster. Okay. And then Fabian Guerra was on the roster, but was waived after a couple of weeks. Okay. Why is he back? No, I'm not I'm not sure like why they brought him back. I guess they felt they need more at the wide receiver position because both of them are wide receivers. What is exciting is I had high hopes for Fabian early on. Yeah, for sure. I was really big on him because he's an explosive player that's really shifty, but he just never got the production I expected. Now that the team is going a little more, and we'll get to this here in a little bit when we get to the recap, but like the team is shifting more to passing offense than rushing, and I'm hoping that we can see a lot more out of him due to that. And so this week, Michelle gets a little bit of a shout out from a fan. I do. So if you remember from last week, we interviewed Coach Shea and we had a couple questions from Instagram. Yes. And one of them was from Kip Lynn. Yep. And you brought that question out at the perfect time because Coach Shea, we're talking about like all the events that the team is putting on. And Kip's question was about, is the team putting too much emphasis on entertainment over football? Yep. And then he sent a message saying, shout out to Michelle for timing my question perfectly. So a round of applause for Michelle. No, you, know, you put your hand. You don't. Oh, you're just applauding. Everybody to at me? home, clap. This is weird. He's <laughs> looking at me dead in the eyes and applauding me. So I will say, and this is what I said to in that message that Michelle is like the. So I come up with like all the content, and she makes a story. Like she has makes sure everything flows together perfectly. And even like during the interviews, Coche afterwards, we we're driving home. She's like, "All right, well, here's all the things we're talking about. How can we make this a cohesive story or like a cohesive episode?" Yeah. So he is he's a content creator, and I I really consider myself kind of the producer. Yeah. The director. Okay. Give me all the credits. Yep. <laughs> so thank you, Kip. I really appreciate that shout out. It's so much fun because he's active in our like Instagram a lot. So whenever we're live, he's there hanging out with us. So shout out to Kip for, for being one of our number one fans. Absolutely. And he's got a question that we'll get to in a little bit when it comes up. Ooh. Yeah. Got to get that timing right. All right. Hit us with the recaps. Up first was the Orlando Apollos and the Atlanta legends. So it started off strong. Both teams were driving on offense. It was all offense, no defense for like the first part of the game. Both teams are driving down the field and getting things done. However, it didn't stay like that for very long. Yeah, I can't imagine that it would. Yeah, and the final score. So there's so many. This is such. Get to the score. So this score is really weird. Okay. 36 to 6. Okay. So if you remember from last week, Atlanta lost to the Commanders 37 to 6. Yep. And if you remember back to week one, the Legends lost to the Apollos again 
40 to 6. They like getting six points. And they like getting blown out. (laughs) I think it is safe to say at this point, I mean, I think we've said it before, the Apollos are the number one team and the Legends are in last place. Yeah. Even though we do have the same record as the Legends. And I I mean, we, we obviously... Like when you look at records, can't see that we're any different or any better. I do genuinely think that we're better, especially after the performance this week and the changes that we've seen. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. The next game was the Salt Lake Stallions and the San Antonio Commanders. Okay. I feel like we watched the second half of this game, at least the last quarter. I think so. But it was a good like back and forth. It was a really like this was a game. It was nuts. I feel like it was like the fleet game last week. Yeah. Wasn't it? I think so. Wasn't the fleet? Now I'm just confusing them all together. And what's exciting about that game is the first pick two in Alliance history. I was kind of confused by like possession after the pick two. I thought it would go back to the Steins, but then once it started with the commanders, then I was like, oh, it's over at this point. They can just knee it out. Yeah. But it was so much fun to watch. Yeah. Because it, it came down to it because it was 15 to 17 and they went for the two point conversion because they have to, obviously. And <laughs> had they gotten it, it would have been a tie game. But then it was intercepted and ran back for like the game ceiling score. Yeah. Yeah. That it was it was nuts. And then we had the San Diego Fleet and the Arizona Hotshots. I don't know. Anything about this game. Tell me. I didn't get to watch it because this was on in the afternoon before our game and we spent most of the afternoon hanging out at the Liberty Bowl. Tailgating. Yeah. I didn't get to watch it, watch a little bit of highlights, kind of caught a little bit of like what happened. And it just seems like the fleet kind of fell apart. Oh, no. Yeah. It was 15 to 32 hot shots. Yikes. Yeah. Has the fleet lost by a margin that big before? So, no, this was their biggest loss. Damn. Against the hot shots, which are hot and cold. Yeah. And the hot shots had come off a win because they beat the Apollos last week and the fleet lost to the Iron. Now, going into week eight, the fleet are on a two-game losing streak with the hot shots being on a two-game winning streak. Hmm. So... That'll definitely, I think, have a big impact on how the games go this week. Yep. But before we get to that, we got to talk about the game of the week, if not game of the year. This was an upset. We got Manziel Mania. We got Brandon Silver's like, I mean, he just balled out. Silver Surfer on the rise. Ooh, I love it. That's my nickname. I named him Silver Surfer. Like nobody calls you Silver Surfer on the rise. (laughs) (laughs) No, but they should. And the first overtime in Alliance history. And we won. In glorious fashion. I am the lucky charm. Absolutely. The two games I've been to are the two games that we've won. Yep. So I think I now need to be flown out to every game. So please uh, go to our Patreon and support (laughs) us so we can make that a reality. Okay. Here's the game. So let's just like start with Manziel. We'll get that out of the way because he really isn't the hero or the focus of this game. But he still is a headline. He's a story and something that just needs to be discussed. All right. So in prep for this week's episode, I'll tell you, I talked to Dan and I was like, I'm glad I didn't come out hard against Manziel. I said I was just his personal life is concerning when it comes to his football skills. I just kind of want to wait and see what he's got because I had no idea. Yeah. And just consider like how much pressure he's got to be under. Yeah. Not only just with football, but his personal life. There's a lot going on there. And the fact that like he was playing in Canada a couple weeks ago. And now he's living in Memphis, had to move a lot of personal stuff. Like, and for somebody who's dealt with addiction, like this is a lot for him. Well, and not only that, now you're back on home turf, kind of, and you've got all these eyes on you. 
people yeah. that have been watching the AAF, people that haven't, people, you know, it's just like there's so much pressure. So for him to come out and play, I was totally blown away. I'm not saying he's like Tom Brady or anything, but he played well for like three, four days of practice. He did things differently. Mm-hmm. He was mobile, at least in the first snap that he got. He and he he played more than I thought. Well, I don't know if that's true. I think he got the a kind of rightful amount. Yeah, he got he got a good amount. And like one thing I did notice at the very beginning, like that first drive, he was really frazzled. Was he? Yeah, it, he looked like somebody who hadn't felt that kind of adrenaline in a long time. I can't imagine what that would feel like. Yeah, and even in the post game, he was saying like he was seeing red and just he needed to calm down. Yeah, and you could definitely see him like talking to the officials. He just seemed like really hyped up. Yeah, and not in a good way. And something that's kind of been talked about is how Memphis is a very ideal place for him because it's not a big city. It's not a big market. So he doesn't have a lot of media constantly on him. There's not a whole lot he can do, like really get in trouble if like he falls into his old ways. It's not that temptation. And he's got a head coach who is super strict, who can kind of give him that structure that he needs. And then top it all off, a good friend of his lives in Memphis. Who? Chandler Parsons. Was that the jersey that he was wearing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. In the post game? Yeah, they're real good friends. Johnny was at Texas A&M when Parsons was playing for the Houston Rockets. So, like, they're, they they knew each other back then. And just through whatever universe kismet, Parsons is with the Grizzlies when Johnny comes to Memphis. And so I feel like that's going to have, like, uh, a good stability to help him to kind of, like, keep things in order. Yeah, and I think you mentioned this, but just the fact that Singletary is about way more than just who you are on the field. He's about who you are off the field too. Mm-hmm. So having that kind of presence and stability can only help. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like this is kind of a stark contrast to how we were talking about him last week. But like we were saying in the post game press conference, like he really uh, he was saying all the right things. Like his humility blew me away. He came out saying that he was so excited about how Silvers was playing. And not only that, but like during the game, he was the first one out there congratulating Brandon on how he did. And and he was saying like, because of how well Brandon Silvers played, he was even more excited to get back to practice the very next day. Yeah. I mean, it, it was empower like it was exciting for him. And, 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 and he also said he was sick of people like chanting his name when Silvers was playing or booing Silvers. Like, and I love that he stood up for Silvers and is so excited for his teammates to do well. It would be so easy to be egotistical in the situation, make it about you. You want to come back, but to, to kind of take the back seat here. And especially when we have, and I know you don't want to probably bring this up, but we have Hackenberg to compare this to and Hackenberg is a baby and is not supportive. Yeah. Manziel is a really great stark contrast to the crap that is Hackenberg, uh, just personality wise. Yeah. And so just to kind of mirror what we said last week, his past personal issues are a factor, and I want to continue to see him in this like more mature. If he's acting, then he's doing a great job at acting and keep it up. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really care if he's acting or not. I think one of the things that was most exciting for me to watch this week, quarterback wise, was how well Silvers was doing. See what Manziel could do. I was so surprised by how similar Brandon Silvers and Johnny Manziel played. Okay. I don't know if it's because the play calling or like they're they're very like similarly skilled. I think that watching them play together as quarterbacks was very seamless and it was a great pairing. Yeah, I, I like 
the kind of change of pace that Johnny brought and his ability to move around the pocket and run because he was our leading rusher in the game. Was he really? Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that later about the rushing game. But yeah. And just like, even though he hasn't played in a while, he threw a couple dimes out there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that was I, those are always exciting for me to watch. I think that's part of the excitement of football for me is watching those big plays get down the field, successful connections. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the star of the game was Brandon Silvers. He played amazing, extremely accurate, just playing a very good game of football. MVP should go to Reese Horn. Absolutely. I, and not to downplay Horn, like, yeah, Horn was the player of the game for me. He was just catching passes all over the place from all over, all, like, all the quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Love it. MVP. But, yeah, just like you're saying, like, there is a lot of similarities between Manziel and Silvers, and they have, like, a good tandem. A couple of... Listener question comments. Okay. Bridget Ellis on Twitter said, I'm really excited about the opportunities the Silver slash Manziel team threat could bring for our offense. If our coaching staff doesn't squander this, hashtag think creative. I definitely agree. And I think that we saw some of that. We've seen changes in the play calling because, yeah. So I don't know if this is like because, oh, we were talking about this. Are Silvers and Manziel talented differently than Men Bacon Cheeseburger and Hackenberg? If so, was Silvers benched because Metten Bacon Cheeseburger was more of a name? Should Silvers have been second string over Metten Bacon Cheeseburger? What do you think? And when you brought that up, it kind of made me think. Silvers started out the season as the number two quarterback. It was Hack, Silvers, Mettenberger. Yep. And it wasn't until week three when Silvers was injured. And I can't remember if he was active or not, or if they brought in Kevin Burke to be the emergency quarterback. But... That was a game that they finally benched Hackenberg and Mettenberger was the first game he was second string. Yeah. So he got the game and played well. And he played well enough to earn the starting gig the next week. Yeah. So at first I thought that was just all the plan. They knew they wanted to bench Hackenberg if he wasn't playing well and Mettenberger was their guy. However, if that wasn't the case and Silver just missed his opportunity because of his injury and then Mettenberger came out the next week and won. Yeah. And then it wasn't until the following week when he got injured. Right. And then Silvers finally got his shot. Now, keep in mind, Silvers had been injured the entire time. Like he was had limited practice, wasn't getting many reps, if any. He still came out against the Stallions and played well. Was he the number two quarterback the entire time and only got bumped because of injury? Or was Mettenberger really where the team wanted to go? There's no way to know. But based on how he's playing now, I feel like that's definitely a possibility. And I'm excited to see somebody like Silvers, who I feel like is what this entire league is all about. A small school guy who never got the looks, broke records, played amazing in college, but because he wasn't from a big school, didn't get the attention that he deserved. And now he's finally getting to showcase what he's capable of. And I am loving every bit of it. So back to Bridget's question. Do you think that the play calling can be creative enough to really make the most of this team of Manziel and Silvers? And it also prompts the question that we got from Kiplin. Will the Express now employ a two QB system? I think this past week has shown that they're they're willing to play both quarterbacks in different situations. Manziel didn't get a whole lot of playing time because he just got to the team, hadn't had a whole lot of practice. And now he's going to have two weeks worth of practice. I think that we're going to see, and I feel like somebody let it slip a little bit, that we're going to see more Manziel in this game. Are we still going to get enough silvers? It depends on what your definition of enough is. I think enough is 
I want to succeed. So whatever it takes to get a win. That's what I want. Pretty much. I mean, like, I still think that Silvers deserves development time, but I want to win. So I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't have an answer. What do you think? Yeah, that, I don't know what the answer is. I'm just going to trust that the coaches are going to make the right decision. I know as. <laughs> no, I, I'm conflicted because, you know, like I've I've brought it up and I'm not shy to say it anymore. That maybe Singletary should be fired or maybe they should have a reshuffling of the, the coaches. But after last week and seeing, you know, there's just been changes, which is what I've asked for this whole time, because the first three, four weeks of the season, they were just sticking with the same stuff. And it obviously wasn't working. Yeah. And I think we're almost being forced to change the game plan just because as the league goes on, you know, our offensive linemen are getting banged up. We're getting tired. You know, we had two starters inactive last week because of injury and they're still on the injury report. So Offensive linemen aren't able to have the same level of production. And you can tell because our run game is suffering. And this is league-wide. Across the league, the run game is suffering. You know, he had Jaquan Gardner, who ran 150 yards in a game a while back and then just completely dropped off. And same for Zach Stacy. Yeah. He had a 100-yard game. And last week, he had 13 carries. Wow. And Johnny Manziel had more rushing yards. Obviously, it's different for a quarterback than a running back, but... And you just see that the linemen aren't able to block as well, missing their blocks. And Stacey's getting hit four yards behind the line. As soon as he touches the ball, he's getting tackled. Yeah. And so we have to go to more passing because that's what's working. Well, and that's what we're seeing in the NFL. Exactly. So it's this really awesome kind of, I, I say awesome because it's not great that our run game is suffering because it is such a strong part of our offense. It adds depth and options. Yeah, but the fact that even though our run game is almost non-existent and we're still able to win means we're doing something really well and our passing game has really exploded. I'm wondering if this is kind of like, what what's a good analogy for like something that's making changes, but you don't see it until later. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like there there's an analogy in there somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's too late, but essentially like maybe they've made changes weeks ago and now we're seeing the result of it. And we weren't patient enough as that fans. That could be it. So. Yeah. So let's hold off on the Singletary should be fired. Pitchfork fest. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's let's wait it out. Douse your torches. Well, I'm not saying douse. Let him let them simmer. Okay. K- keep the embers warm. There we go. Um, How many dumb analogies can we come <laughs> up with? Put a bow on it. Keep the embers warm. But I will say this about our offensive line is that the pass blocking this past game was really good. Was it? Yeah, I saw one play. Silver said like four seconds and he was able to like move around and have the time he needed to make these big plays. Cool. And then just going back to coaching, we we're sitting in the hub and a lot of people, it was coming up to the end of the game and we we're down by 11 and we we're in the red zone. It was fourth down. People are saying that Singletary should go for it and get the touchdown. I disagreed. Easy field goal. Get the points because you need 11. So you need a field goal, a touchdown and a two point conversion. Yeah. You know you can get the field goal, so get the points while you can. Because if you go for it on fourth and don't get it, that's game over. Right. Singletary decided to go for the three, got him. Our defense was able to make a stop and get the offense back on the field for the game-tying touchdown and two-point conversion. Right. So going back to simmer your torches, like Singletary had really good coaching this past game. Yeah. And the last thing I want to cover on offense before we get to the defense. Wait, there's more? Yeah. So much. 
it was a good game. We are really in the weeds here. Is that when the offense is on the field, shut your damn mouth. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. It's hard, though, because you're excited and you want the offense to do well. I know that when you think about it, you should be quiet because they need to, like, think and they're running their routes or whatever. I, I, I see that. But it was when Manziel was out there and people were chanting Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Like, shut up. We get it. You're excited. But he couldn't hear the plays like the second play. Like he had to just make something up because he couldn't get the play call. Yeah. So just be quiet. Relax. Which actually is interesting because San Antonio had the same issue. People were making too much noise on offense. And so somebody in like one section of the stadium, like got everybody just to hold their phones up and turn the flashlights on to support the offense. So they didn't make noise and the entire stadium caught on. And so you just have an entire stadium looking like a concert because everybody has their cell phone flashlights up in the air. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, we won't be able to do it this week because the game's at one o'clock. So yeah. <laughs> that won't do anything. But that's so pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that's why like rally towels work. Yeah. Bring a towel with you. Bring a shirt. Do something. Just don't make noise. And when Silvers comes out, do not boo him. Oh, my God. Yeah, don't boo your own quarterback. I And this is going to be strong. And, you know, there are people around us who are doing this. And I'm just going to have to call it out. If you're booing your quarterback, you are not a fan. If you're actively working against your own team, you're not a fan. Yeah, for real. I don't care who's under center. Support them. Yeah. Johnny's going to get his turn. Like, I guarantee you, Johnny's going to get snaps. Wait for him. Let Silvers do his thing. Let Johnny do his thing and support the team. Yeah. Full stop. Let's get on to defense. Okay. Oh, we got angry, Daniel. (laughs) So one thing is we didn't get a whole lot of sacks this game, but we got a lot of pressure, which is still effective at disrupting the pass. Okay. So it got Louis Perez to get out of the pocket and scramble and get on the run. And he either had to like throw it away or had to make a bad pass. Now, question about Perez. Correct. I feel like he did better this week than he did last week. Yeah, he's improving a lot. And the announcer was talking about it's a completely different player than week one and you know week two. He's a lot more aggressive throwing it down the field and just making better passes overall. Gotcha. Okay. So he's growing as a player. And one thing, and then another thing is that our coverage was really good. So Louis Perez had to like hold on to the ball for a while and then like the pass rush got to him because our guys are doing such a good job in coverage. So now the reverse is that our run defense used to be a brick wall. Yeah. But now it's gotten a lot weaker. Trent Richardson, who averaged like two and a half yards a game, was running all over us. Really? Yeah. It was so frustrating. Because he's a guy who shouldn't get more than two yards, especially against our defense. And he's running for 10, 15 breaking tackles. Like, no, you do not let him do that to you. But aren't we still dealing with defensive injuries? Yeah. On the defensive line, we're still dealing with a lot of injuries, which has a huge effect. And that's kind of where a lot of this is coming from. Plus, getting so deep into the season, you know, players wear it down, especially how much we've relied on our defense up to this point. Yeah, for sure. So that's one thing that needs to be improved upon. And exciting news. Anthony Johnson may be coming back this week. Yes, he's your favorite. Or at least maybe like week nine. Didn't he tweet you? We uh, He shouted me out in an Instagram live. Nice. Yeah. Thank so, you, AJ. Mad props. And then special shout out to our special teams play. Which one? Uh, the 17-yard return from Reese Horn. 
or like the 30-yard return from Reese Horn or the pump block from DeMarcus Gates. And then the I thought subs- you were about to say Reese Horn. <laughs> <laughs> pump block from Reese Horn. And then subsequent touchdown from Terrell Bonds on that block punt. Yeah. Amazing. And that was really the turning point of the game because we were down like 16 or 19 to 8. And that touchdown really kind of changed the game. Yeah, that was definitely a momentum shift because we were down and it it, it looks kind of dire at that point. Yeah, but oh, that was so much fun to watch. So big shout out to Terrell Bonds. And then cut to 24 seconds left in the game. Brandon Silvers with dimes marches down the field and ties the game up. Like it was because we had to score eight. Uh-huh. And yeah. Do you we, think that- we did it, by the way? <laughs> Your energy's gone. Do you think that we can just like take a bag of dimes and like give it? Let, to- let me stop you right there <laughs> and tell you no, because I feel like wherever you're going is not a good place. We'll just we'll, he's just drop. We'll be dropping dimes. No, we'll be giving them to him to drop dimes. And fun little factoid: both Brandon Silvers and Brandon Barnes were allocated to the Iron, and the Iron decided that they didn't want them. Oh. And both players were instrumental in our victory this past week. Round of applause, Iron. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I mean, <laughs> we couldn't have had this win without you guys. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then real quick, I mean, just the overtime. Short, sweet, and beautiful. First game to ever go into overtime, right? That is correct. In week eight. Seven. Which one? Seven. <laughs> there were a couple games that looked like they could go into overtime but didn't yeah because there's a last minute like field goal or the uh, yeah. possession was overturned something would happen yeah something exciting and fun would happen and it wouldn't go into overtime so if you miss a game or you don't understand how it worked the way overtime in the alliance works is each team gets a possession and they have to score a touchdown which i like better by the way i don't think it's fair that the nfl it's like if you get a touchdown right it has to yeah. be a touchdown on your Possession without the other team even touching the ball, you can still win it, which I just don't think is fair. Yeah. You get one possession from the 10-yard line to score a touchdown. The express defense came up beautifully strong. Blocked him, blocked him, blocked him, blocked him. And then forced Perez to throw it out of bounds. A stupid play from him, but whatever. We'll take it. Was it because of pressure? Yeah. Yeah, he got flushed out of the pocket. Good coverage. Nowhere to go with it. And he didn't. He, he couldn't do anything. Thank you, D. Yep. And then Silvers marches back out, throws a beautiful touchdown pass to Dan Williams for the win. Oh, my gosh. That was so exciting. Yes. I just want to to watch the game again. (laughs) All right. So anything else, anything at all that you've got for this week? Oh, yes. The Iron scored their last points with 901 left in the game. Yeah, it was so much fun because we were all saying 901. (laughs) Yeah. 901. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, if you're not... Familiar, that's our area code. Yeah, and it's real big in Memphis. Like 901 is something that kind of people rally around with pride. And our local soccer team is called 901 SC. Yeah. So 901 is a big deal. And something you mentioned, grit and grind. Oh, yeah. To describe the game. We were watching highlights before recording tonight to kind of get a refresher. And um, it was just, we grit and grinded it out. And grit and grind is the saying for the Grizzlies. And it's kind of become a moniker of Memphis, I almost said New York, of Memphis, is that it is gritty. It's not nice. Hard work and perseverance. Grind it out. Got us a dub. Boom. Okay, that's all I got. All right. So Wait, wait, wait. wait. What's next? 
I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm like, you know, what are you asking me for? <laughs> okay, Dan, what's next? So we got the AA app deliver guy back on the show to give us his uh his recap and his feelings on this past week, as well as his predictions for the next week. Well, once again, we have the AAF delivery guy here to deliver his picks, as well as a recap of last week. All right, man, how are you doing? How are you feeling after this last week of Alliance football? Man, I am feeling great after this week of Alliance football. Those were some amazing games, and I am just so happy with my commanders. I'm just so happy with all the games in general, and I'm so excited about this week. Absolutely. It just keeps getting better and better. Like Every week, there's something new and something exciting. We'll get to it in a little bit when we finally get to the game, but that Express game was amazing. It was so thrilling, and for it to be the first overtime, and then for y'all as a home team to come back from behind to win it, that was that is something that is just so dramatic and so exciting, and it's only good for the league. Yeah, and just to have that comeback, because we were down going into the half, 16-8, and then just that pump block return for a touchdown just changed the momentum of the game, and it was amazing after that oh yeah and you know in that game you to be honest as a fan you got to be a little bit worried because mettenberger is playing so well and then now he's injured but man brandon silvers came out to play and he did really well and manziel did well and so it was just a great game all around yeah absolutely what are your thoughts on the game between the apollos and the legends it was typical you know i mean i know the Orlando Apollos had their first upset the week prior against the Hot Shots, but I think that spoke to just how well the Hot Shots are and just how good they are, and they just don't quit. But, man, the Apollos are just looking so good every week, and they just came out, and they just did what they do. They mm-hmm. just beat up on a team. I mean, I think every time they have a win, it's not really close. It's always by a huge margin, and... You know, in the Legends, it seemed like they were struggling again with the same problems they were having at the beginning of the year. It seems like they were having those same issues. And uh, I just, I'll be honest, I felt bad for them a little bit because I know things are just getting so um, exciting in the East. Yeah, I know Orlando's clinched their spot, but I mean, that number two spot is still up for grabs. And if the Legends had won, it'd even be a better story, but they didn't. And, but with your guys' win, it's now still anybody's game. Yeah, yeah. We have a slim chance. We were 1% going into, like, 1% chance of making the playoffs going into this last week. And now we're up to six. So there, there's, a, there's that chance. It's better than one. Exactly. And then we had the San Diego Fleet and the Hot Shots, which was uh, crazy. Just like how it, it seemed like the Fleet, who have been looking so good, just seemed to kind of go back to, like, almost week one. It really was like that. And then there was, it seems like if you're watching the game, they had moments where they were the fleet that, as we know them, as they've shown themselves to be. And then something would happen and then they would go back to just looking in shambles again. And I don't know. I mean, that's, I think that's what we've seen from a lot of teams, especially in the Western conference is they'll look great one week. And then the next week they'll seem like they have all these problems and then they'll look good again. And it seems like, here comes these problems again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that just goes to tell you, like, the West is wide open. And yeah. I know I've said that before. It's anybody, I, I mean, I know San Antonio come off a great win, but they cannot take it easy. They have to win out. All teams, really, in the West, they have to be on a winning streak to get into the playoffs. Yeah. So, speaking of the Commanders, what did you think of the Commanders and Stallions game? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 
so that was a great game for my wife and I, because we got to take two friends who haven't been to a game, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they sat right in front of us. We got, you know, we got them some tickets and for it to end the way it did, you know, I mean, we thought we had momentum and then Salt Lake who, and we've talked about this Salt Lake is a good team. Their record doesn't reflect their abilities for them to get the six. And I mean, they're about to tie it. I thought we were going to see the first overtime that night. And then for number 41, Bowsby to just intercept the ball, run it back for two. Oh my gosh. I know on TV and the clips, you hear that 30,000 people screaming and, but it was so much better being there screaming along with them. Yeah. I can only imagine. Cause that was the first pick two in Alliance history as well. Yes. Yes, it was. It was a lot of firsts this week. Yeah. I mean, the first year of the, the league, obviously you're going to have a lot of firsts, but hey, yeah, it's still exciting. True. It is still exciting. I mean, for, cause those are both the, um, Oh no, those are both the ending games, the Saturday night game and the Sunday night game. I mean, those are great ways to, you know, put an end to the night, you know, with the, the two point pick and then the overtime and that, that dramatic finish that you guys had. I mean, I could see people watching this week, if they weren't fans or they weren't sure and they watched these four games, they're sold. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So going into week eight, let's hear your prediction. So what do you got for the Apollos and the Express? Oh, <laughs> even though you guys had that great finish and you fought against the iron really, really well, um, their defense is amazing. I still am picking Orlando over you guys. I'm sorry. It's just one of those things where it's, if it was anybody else, I'd pick you guys, but it's hard to bet against Orlando right now. Yeah. And just as you were saying, like they're just firing like all over the board, offense, defense, like everything is just clicking and it's, it, it's going to be tough to stop them. Yeah. And you know, one could make the argument that since they have a playoff spot clinched, that they may take it easy, but I don't think that's Spurrier style at all. No. And especially if they're going to be fighting for that first seed, just so yeah. like, I think I'm, I don't think I've heard anything official, but I'm assuming, you know, the number one seed is going to have home field advantage. So I'd imagine they're going to fight for that. Mm. Yeah. I, I believe that that is correct as well. And I'm just basing that on opinion. It would make sense, yeah. you know, that that would be the reward for being the number one team. Yeah. But, you know, we are playing at home, and home field has a huge advantage. So, I mean, there is there is a slim chance that we can pull something out. Oh, yeah. But, and, yeah. And I would be happy if that was the upset. Yeah. And then we got the San Diego Fleet and the Salt Lake Stallions. You know, I'm going my gut on this one because I've talked about Salt Lake and how good they are despite their record. And we just mentioned the fleet can be kind of wishy-washy sometimes. And I know they wish they had Philip Nelson back, but I'm going to pick the fleet on this one. I really feel like they're going to correct those mistakes that we've seen. And I think they're going to take it to them, especially where they're at in the rankings. They're going to want to get into the playoffs. So I think they're going to play really well. All righty. And then we have the legends in the iron. I'm going to go with the iron on this one. Um, just because Perez is looking better, that defense and Atlanta still, to me, looks like, I mean, I'm just going to say it out. They look like the worst team in the AF right now. I think you guys are better than them, even though you guys are tied. Agreed. Um, so I'm I'm going to pick Birmingham over them, actually. Yeah, and this one hurts just because we need the Iron to lose for our playoff hopes, as slim mm -hmm. as they are. But I just don't see a way that the Legends can beat the Iron in Birmingham. Yeah, I agree. 
And last but not least, we got the Arizona Hotshots going against your San Antonio Commanders. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious who I'm picking this game. The Hotshots, right? No, no, no. We are going to be in front of over 30,000 people. Um, again, in San Antonio, I'm going with my San Antonio commanders. I think they've just been on a streak, and I don't see the hotshot just beating them. I know that might be some optimism because I know the hotshots are a really good team, but, man, it's as Salt Lake's seen, it's hard to play in the Dome. Yeah, but I will say that like both teams, you know, the commanders and the hotshots, have had their moments of, like, they're really hot or they're really cold. So I feel like yep. this game could go any direction. Yep, because they, and especially both of them know that they have playoff stakes here. And I mean, this is going to be the game to watch in the West, especially if San Diego wins. All eyes, I think, are going to be on this game, especially for the Western Conference. Yep, absolutely. Well, there you have it. The picks from the AAF delivery guy himself. If people want to find out and uh, check out, because you just said you finished your editing your video for this week, right? I did. I just got done before this phone call, and it is ready to go. I'll be releasing it tomorrow around noon. Uh, where can people find that? You can find it at my Twitter handle. That's a- at AAF delivery guy. And then I also have Instagram account, just AAF delivery guy, where we post some pics of like the family or behind the scenes stuff or just hanging out while we're doing. Awesome. Be sure to check him out. So there you go. All right. So let's get our predictions. San Diego Fleet or Salt Lake Stallions? I feel like this week has a lot of like up in the air, except for the Apollos, which unfortunately we're playing. Pretty much all the others, I think, could go either way. Wait, wait, wait. Did we say that our game was the upset of the week? I feel like I said it. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. We'll say it again. Upset of the week, game of the year so far. All right. So what did you just hit me with? What's the matchup? Fleet Stallions. Fleet Stallions. The Fleet lost, yeah, this past week? Both teams lost this past week. Oh, okay. I want the Fleet to win. They're my second favorite team. But, like, matchup-wise, I really think it could go either way. They're so weak at quarterback with Berkovici that in their O-line isn't that great. And and the Stallions' defensive line is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Stallions on this one. Okay. You said Fleet? Yeah, just because I want them to win. Okay, perfect. Atlanta Legends and the Birmingham Iron. Man, I really want the Legends to do well. I don't want any team to be the worst team or the sucky team. Yeah. But they just kind of have filled that role. So I'm going to have to call the Iron. Unfortunately. And I really, really, really want the Legends to win because that is imperative for us making the playoffs. We have a very slim chance, but a chance nonetheless. And that hinges on the Iron not winning any more games. Oh. So the I've, I'm... I'm <laughs> My prediction is the iron, but I'm really pulling for the legends. Let's hope. Arizona Hotshots and the San Antonio Commanders. Uh, yeah, again, this one could go either way. I think this is going to be the game of the week. Who has the home field advantage? The Commanders. I think it's going to be Commanders then. In the Dome. I think, I mean, that that plays a big role. Yeah. And the Commanders can fill that stadium. Again, both teams have been kind of up and down. I'm just going to go Commanders. This game could go any which way because both teams, like you said, have been hot, have been cold. And it depends on which combination we get that night. It will determine who wins. And I think this is going to be a game to watch. Definitely. And last but not least, well, technically first, Apollos and the Express. This one is a bummer. Yep. That's a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bummer because we're playing the best team in the league. I mean, on our side, we've got changes at the quarterback position. We have the home field advantage. 
hopefully our crowd will cheer at the right time and maybe frazzle Gary Gilbert, but he's, I call him the arm of the AAF. I mean, he's good. He's just got that cannon. Steve Spurrier is good. Their team is good. The two advantages that we have going for us is one home field advantage, yep, which is huge, which I said, yep, and two, our quarterback. <laughs> so both things you mentioned are our strengths. Like our quarterback situation, while is up in the air, it also means that the Apollos don't know who to prepare for. Unpredictability. Yeah, so that's going to be our kind of hope, and our defense has to step up and keep again keep that passing offense to a minimum. So it's going to be up to our defense to make some plays, hopefully get some sacks, get some pressure. Coverage has to be good. Like We just have to play a good game. Let's come out and let's just show the Apollos what we can do. Yep. We can grit and grind to another dub. Let's do it. Anything else this week? I think we got some events going on. Oh, yeah. What's what's going on at the Liberty Bowl this week? So at 10 a.m., they have the Express Challenge by Titan Fitness. And this is the CrossFit thing, right? Yeah. So I will not be participating. Yeah. I'll be watching with a 16-ounce beer in my hand, <laughs> maybe a hot dog in the other. There you go. <laughs> Cheering you on like no other. <laughs> and then right before the game at noon, they have Express Yourself, the pregame paint party. What? I want to go. There you go. She have a beer in one hand and paint on her fingers. <laughs> Why didn't they tell me about this? Where's it happening? At the Liberty Bowl? Yeah. If you pay attention, like it's been all over the place for weeks now. Nuh-uh. Yes. No, it hasn't. For real? The details. Create your own masterpiece at the pregame painting with a twist paint party on March 30th inside the Liberty Bowl Stadium. What else is happening? Oh, wait, wait. Can we say that the food truck rodeo was a success? So awesome. That food smelled amazing. and But I also think that the sneaker fest was successful, too. Yeah. They had a DJ and there was an artist in there that was painting. I think so. We didn't go in because we didn't, but seemed like a good success. Yeah. And then we have a, I think we have a football game going on. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The Express are taking on the Apollos. Uh-huh. And then following the game, I believe it's following the game. The time doesn't seem to match up, but it's going to be a celebration of faith featuring Mike Singletary. What does that mean? So the details are following the game on Saturday, March 30th. The Memphis Express invites fans to join in our post-game celebration of faith. Here's special testimonials from head coach Mike Singletary, former All-American and NFL offensive lineman Barrett Jones, Greater Memphis FCA Executive Director Kev Revkev Nathaniel, and First Baptist Church Pastor Keith Norman. Tickets are $15 while supplies last. Just go on Facebook at AAF Express, find the event, and you'll see a link to get your tickets there. So if Christianity is your thing, you're going to want to go. There you go. All right. Well, that is, uh, that's plenty of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. A lot going on. And then we still have even more on the last home game of the year. Which, we'll get to that later. Yeah. You got anything else, Michelle? Uh, producers. We have Brian Winslop, Dakota Muller, Joe Van Awesome, Matt Shekels, Rodrigo Villa Gomez, and Zachary Garten. If you want to learn more about being a patron, go to memphisaaf.com forward slash Patreon. And just kind of a quick announcement. During the offseason, I'm going to be highlighting prospective players. We did this a little bit before this past season. and We're doing it again and kind of evaluating players, just kind of going through all that. If you are looking to play for the Express next year or any Alliance team, just go to memphisaaf.com slash player dash interview. Fill out the form 
And I'll be selecting some guys to come on the show, tell their story, get to know them, and just kind of like get your name out there. And that was a lot of fun in preseason. Yeah, we got to meet a lot of cool people. A couple of them actually made some alliance teams. Some are in arena football. So hopefully we can get their name out there and kind of make something happen. Hashtag hire Bubba Jenkins. Absolutely. All right. Hit us with the social media accounts. Twitter, Memphis AAF. Instagram, Memphis AAF pod. Facebook.com slash express and goal spelled out. And I've been posting YouTube videos. Oh. Memphis AAF.com slash YouTube. Okay. Make it easy. I just posted the week six highlights and I try to post like all the press conferences and like interviews with the coaches that I get. So any of that's going to be on YouTube. All right. Anything else? Not for me. Thank you so much for flying express and goal. Everything will be listed in the show notes at memphisaaf.com slash 34. And until next time. And I'm out. Detroit. What? The expansion city.